When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to an Ono Media podcast. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise and Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and now to the promised update about the murder of Mo Wilson. Now, I've covered this case back on October 19th, but I'll give you guys a pretty comprehensive recap here because we now have a verdict in the trial of Caitlin Armstrong. Okay, 25-year-old Mariah Wilson, or Mo, as it seems just about everyone called her, was in Austin, Texas in May of 2022 for a gravel race. Mo is an accomplished athlete and a rising star on the elite bike racing circuit. It's truly its own world. If you race, you know who the best are, and if you are one of the best, you rub shoulders with the others who are among the best. So this meant Mo and Colin Strickland were bound to cross paths. Colin had rocked the cycling world when he came out of nowhere in 2019 to win the Unbound Gravel 200 race. That was a big deal in the cycling world, and the win secured endorsements for Colin with Red Bull and some other major brands. Okay, see, Colin and Mo had first met each other in October of 2021 during a racing event. And sparks flew between the two, but Colin wasn't completely available like Mo was. His on-again, off-again relationship with realtor and yoga instructor Caitlin Armstrong was in an off-again status. This at least according to Colin. And not so much if you ask Caitlin. And that is why Caitlin contacted Mo and said, hey lady, hands off. Mo seemed to comply and respected that her and Colin were just going to be friends. And now we're caught up to that gravel race in May of 2022. Mo has arrived a week early to do some training and spend some time with friends. And Austin is Colin's hometown. The two meet up for a platonic swim and early dinner. And even during the trial, this does not seem to be in question. Maybe the meetup was flirty, and maybe the boundaries had been set in the relationship with Colin and Caitlin, and Colin had extended past those boundaries. But on the day of the murder, it appears it really was just a swim at the deep eddy pool and then some food and drinks. Colin drops Mo back off at the apartment of her friend, Caitlin Cash, and that's it. He heads home on his motorcycle, but it wasn't finalized for Caitlin. See, Caitlin had been tracking the text between Colin and Mo via a laptop and an iPad. 
She had also been tracking Mo by using a cycling app that records a person's rides. Caitlin, just minutes after Mo was dropped off by Colin, enters the home and shoots Mo twice in the head and once in the chest, leaving her dead on the bathroom floor of her friend's rented home. Now, originally, Colin becomes the target of the investigation, but the case takes a dramatic shove in the direction of Caitlin when investigators realize she drives a black Jeep with a bike rack, the same kind of black Jeep and bike rack seen on ring doorbell footage from the scene of the crime. Now, Caitlin is questioned once by police before she flees to New York, then New Jersey, then Costa Rica. Investigators are tracking Caitlin's movements, and six weeks later, they arrest her in Costa Rica. Caitlin has had some cosmetic surgery in an attempt to change her appearance, and she has also begun teaching yoga and developing relationships with locals. Then, just weeks before her trial in early November, Caitlin again tried to escape. She had faked an injury while being held in the Travis County Correctional Complex, And it was a very calculated injury because she would need to visit a doctor away from the correctional complex to treat this specific medical issue. And talk about calculating. She also could not wear ankle restraints with the faked injury because she said it would cause more physical harm. Well, Caitlin made a run for it. She bolted away from the two officers and scaled a fence to get away. She was recaptured up. About 10 minutes later, just a few blocks from the attempted escape from the doctor's office. And then she faced trial on November 1st for the murder of Mo. And like I said, that was just a real quick recap. There's so much more detail in the episode that I recorded on the 19th. But let's get to the update. And let's just dive in to what happened at the trial. Over 40 witnesses were called to testify at the trial. DNA experts firearms and tool marks experts, the medical examiner, and of course, multiple law enforcement officers. But two of the most anticipated witnesses would be Colin, who remember for a couple of days following the murder was the detective's prime suspect. He also went into hiding for most of the months following the murder. And then also Mo's friend, Caitlin Cash, who found Mo murdered. Now, I'm going to call her Cash just to keep things straight with the two Caitlins. While Cash was on the stand, state prosecutors played the 911 call placed by Cash when she came home to the horrific scene. During the call, you can hear Cash heaving for breath and crying. The dispatcher walked Cash through how to perform CPR and encouraged her, saying that she was doing the process correctly. Cash performed dozens of compressions, well over 100, before an officer arrived and took over the compressions. Eventually, EMTs arrived and pronounced Mo dead. Cash refused to leave the scene to be questioned by authorities. She didn't want to leave Mo. Then, in a less emotional part of her testimony, Cash also described the cycling app Strava and how you could track movements of a person via the app. The state was basically setting the table for how Caitlin knew where Mo was staying. All right, when Colin took the stand on the third day of the trial, he explained that he had dated Caitlin on and off for two and a half years. He also clarified that his relationship with Mo was, 
more of a friendship than anything else. He said he met her in Idaho at a race and described their relationship as a brief fling. He said he helped her connect with sponsors and that he had many female cycling friends. But here's an interesting note from his testimony. According to CBS Austin, Collins spent two days on the stand, and during that time, he angled his body away from the view of Caitlin. It was a very unnatural way of sitting at the stand. He would also place his hand on his face to almost shield his view from Caitlin, who was sitting at the defense table. Now, during his testimony, the state asked him to explain text messages that were sent between him and Caitlin and also him and Mo. Now, the text messages between him and Mo, they're pretty platonic. They say hi to each other. Then they discuss going on a training ride. She sends him a selfie of her on a ride, and she says she's dying out here, referencing the heat of Texas. And then they eventually finalize their swimming plans, and really, that's about it. Prosecutors did ask Colin to verify that he had changed Mo's name in his phone. He said, yes, he had changed her contact info to read Christine Wall, just to prevent strife between him and Caitlin. And what about the messages the state shared between Caitlin and Colin? Well, in one specific message, Caitlin appears to scold Colin and tells him he better not show up at the meteor with that girl. Well, the meteor is a restaurant and that girl is Mo. Now, in his testimony, Colin explained that Mo had been in Austin previously, and that they at that time had had an intimate encounter. But he also claimed he wasn't dating either girl at that time, but that Caitlin was clearly still upset about that. Now, the defense countered these scolding texts by asking Colin if Caitlin had ever been violent in their relationship. Colin said no. He said she was generally calm and mild. But there were other messages having Caitlin warning Colin about spending time with Mo. In one text message, Colin responded by writing, could you please be an adult? In another text message, Caitlin wrote to Colin, send my love to Mo, when the two had clearly run into each other at a cycling event. Colin shot back with, can you please stop? Now, day four of the trial meant it was time to move into the technical areas. Things like digital footprints that included cell phones and the Strava app. Prosecutors called experts to show that Caitlin had viewed Mo's Instagram account multiple times and that she had also tracked Mo via the Strava app. The state tied several email accounts to Caitlin and also showed flights she purchased to flee, as well as purchases of prepaid visa cards that they said funded her escape to Costa Rica. Experts testified that while in Costa Rica, Caitlin would use various encrypted accounts to search her own name, as well as information about Mariah Wilson and Colin Strickland. They say she was keeping track of what was going on with the murder investigation. The experts testified other searches included, can IMEI be tracked if not making calls? Basically, experts were saying she wanted to make sure her phone wasn't being tracked, even if she didn't make any calls on the phone. And probably the weirdest search that state prosecutors displayed was saying Caitlin's phone searched for the phrase, can pineapples burn your fingertips? 
Experts testified that she didn't just search that phrase once. She searched multiple times with varying ways of asking the same question, like she would change fingertips to fingerprints. Now, for two days, experts went over the GPS system in Caitlin's car. They testified that Caitlin's black Jeep was parked in the alley of the apartment where Mo was killed at exactly the time that the killing was taking place. Experts also said Cash's address was in the map section of Caitlin's phone, but then that had been deleted the day after the killing. So what was the defense supposed to do with that science? Well, they tried. They raised questions about how anyone could prove it was Caitlin actually driving the Jeep or Caitlin was actually the one using the phone. And for those of you keeping close attention, while the Jeep was parked at the apartment during the killing, Colin is seen on his motorcycle on traffic cameras, and then he is seen on surveillance footage at the Pool Burger, which is a sports bar in Austin, which is why he just fell off the suspect list after just two days of gathering evidence. But that doesn't mean Colin was completely clean in all of this. Police body cam footage was played in court where he denies even knowing Mo Wilson when asked by police. Then when asked again, he says he does know her and that he spent the previous afternoon and early evening with her. So you guys just make of that what you will. I'd love to hear what you think about that. Now, detectives were called to the stand to explain how Caitlin was captured in Costa Rica after 43 days on the run. She had been using a passport with the name Christy Armstrong. Now, that's her sister. And that seems to be the reason for flying to New York before hightailing it off to Costa Rica. Detectives had tracked Caitlin to a specific hostel where they found her sitting at a table on the patio. A detective, who was dressed like a tourist, approached Caitlin, asking her questions in Spanish. He needed to get close enough and interact with her just to make sure it really was Caitlin. Now, she was talking with him using Google Translate, and he testified that despite having a bandage on her nose from the plastic surgery, he was confident that he was speaking with Caitlin. Shortly after the interaction, she was taken into custody. Now, during her time abroad, Caitlin used at least three aliases, including the name Allison Page. She was communicating via email with her plastic surgeon in Costa Rica using the name Allison Page. She was just wanting to know the cost of rhinoplasty and how quickly she could get the procedure done. During the trial, the defense did score some points by calling their former FBI firearms expert, Bill Tobin. Now that expert, who, by the way, has testified in over 300 cases, well, he refuted the state's claim that the bullets found at the murder scene were definitively fired from Caitlin's Sig Sauer 9mm. Tobin testified that there is no significant agreement when it comes to matching projectiles to guns. But it was point for point when it came to expert testimony because the state's witnesses showed striations and fine lines on test-fired projectiles from Caitlin's gun, and they testified the markings were a match for those from the scene. Now, after consulting with her attorneys, Caitlin did not testify at her trial. It took jurors only two hours to return a verdict of guilty for Caitlin Armstrong. When the verdict was read, 
most parents and Caitlin Cash, who had been in the courtroom every day of the trial, embraced each other and cried softly. Caitlin Armstrong remained emotionless as the verdict was read. Okay, in Texas, the jury determines the sentencing, and it took them just under four hours to decide that Caitlin would serve 90 years for the murder of Mo Wilson. She will be eligible for parole after 30 years served, and at that time, she would be 65 years old. Now, Mo's brother, Matt, spoke during the sentencing portion of the trial, saying his sister was his closest confidant and his only sibling. He said the two would text each other the three best things that had happened to them during their days. Matt lived with Mo during the COVID-19 shutdowns because he couldn't attend his school. He said his sister will never ride a bike again, never take a 20-minute break from work to bake banana bread, never get married. Her mother was understandably overcome with emotion during her victim impact statement. She said learning of Mo's death was the worst, worst moment of her life. She explained to an, an emotional jury that when you love something that much and it's taken from you, the depth of the joy of that love is equal to the depth of the pain you have to live with. When Mo's mother spoke directly to Caitlin, she said, Caitlin Armstrong, I'm not sure if I can penetrate your heart, but I'm going to try. I hate what you did to my daughter. If you allowed yourself to actually know her, you would have never, ever wanted to hurt her. Let's finish this update by remembering Mo's most recent desire. She had decided to return to her home of Vermont between races, and she wanted to create a local community space where bikers could gather before and after rides to share their experiences and a cup of coffee and maybe a bit of food. Her parents said that she loved Taco Tuesdays, maple creamies, and playing the board game Catan with friends. Her family started a fundraising campaign to help youth in Vermont establish self-confidence through biking and skiing. It's called the Mariah Wilson Fund at Dartmouth College. And if Mama Jules can give you a challenge here, when we eat dinner as a family, which only gets to happen a few times a year now that my kids are grown and living and thriving in other parts of the United States, we'll do this little around the table game, kind of like Mo and her brother Matt. Each person goes around and says their high and low moment of the day. You guys, it's just a chance for us to be vulnerable with each other, to celebrate with each other, and to just truly love each other. Give it a shot if you're so inclined. All right, now to another story out of Texas, where a sugar daddy hookup site turned life-altering for one 61-year-old man. SeekingArrangement.com is billed as the dating app that is the pinnacle of sophisticated matchmaking for accomplished individuals looking for exceptional companions, at least according to their website. It goes on to say users can discover unparalleled connections with people who share your values, ambitions, and aspirations. You deserve nothing less than extraordinary. Find someone worth dating on Seeking Arrangement. Okay, you guys, did ChatGPT write their about page info? Or did they pull out their thesaurus and discover 
oozy words like exceptional companions and unparalleled connections. And you can, maybe this works for some people. It just gives me the ick. But you guys do you. You people on that website, you do you. Okay, but here's the catch in this crime story. The website instructs women that if they want to connect with wealthy gentlemen, they must hold themselves to a higher standard, saying, on this website, they don't settle for average. Well, 26-year-old Kaylee Renee Medina didn't understand the assignment. It all started when Kaylee and the older gentleman met up for dinner. Now, his name hasn't been released, so I'm just going to call him Howard, because for me, that sounds like a 61-year-old's name, right? Howard? Well, Howard says the date was really nothing amazing. They had continued to text back and forth, but he did not plan on seeing Kaylee again. Then, Kaylee showed up at Howard's, unannounced at 2.30 a.m. last week. Howard was pretty much surprised by the visit, but he let her in and they talked and drank some wine. According to Howard, out of nowhere, Kaylee demanded that Howard give her $2,000. He told her that he didn't have that kind of money and he said she flew into a rage. She began destroying items in the home, throwing a flat screen TV to the ground, smashing an entertainment system, ripping a painting and hammering holes into walls. The 61-year-old demanded that Kaylee stop the destruction of his home, and this seemed to enrage her further, according to court documents. She grabbed a bottle of laundry detergent and dumped the contents over his head. The detergent burned his eyes and temporarily blinded him. While he lay there suffering, court documents claim Kaylee went on to steal Howard's passport, to also steal his iPhone also a surveillance camera, and then a Dyson hairdryer before leaving his home. Well, Howard crawled from his home yelling for help. His neighbors contacted Bexar County Sheriff's Office, and when police arrived, they transported him to a local hospital where he was treated for chemical burns and cuts to his legs. Those cuts were sustained when he had crawled over the broken appliances to get out of his home. Now, he was able to give police a clear description of Kaylee and where she could be found, and she was quickly arrested. Police soon discovered that Kaylee has somewhat of a checkered past. She has previously been charged with DUI three different times, also intoxicated assault, aggravated assault, and aggravated assault on a security guard. And here's where I'm confused with this story. Kaylee was initially charged with second-degree robbery and has posted a $20,000 bond. But why just robbery? Why not assault? And now it appears new charges have been added since the story broke last week. Kaylee has been charged with another DUI from a previous active warrant and also a new charge of continuous violence against family. That's totally out of left field. It appears detectives believe she had a physical altercation with family sometime before her tirade on Howard, but charges hadn't been filed for that yet. But still, there is no assault charge against our 61-year-old man. Leaves me wondering why. Now, Bexar County Sheriff Salazar did leave a word of warning to online daters saying, you have no idea who you're hooking up with, and also saying, 
Kaylee is clearly dangerous. Maybe seekingarrangement.com isn't all it promised to be. And finally, let's take a break from murder with this story out of Florida. 70-year-old John Sandoval was arrested last week after he threw a package of Oreos at his wife. Now, the two were arguing over the fact that the coffee maker had no water in it. And then as the argument grew more aggressive, John grabbed the package and threw it at his elderly wife, knocking her over. According to his wife, John then climbed on top of her and placed his hands around her neck. But she did clarify he was not restricting her airway. His wife waited a few days before reporting the incident, but her daughter was adamant that she pressed charges, so she did call police. Police said there were no obvious injuries when they conducted their first interview with the wife, but again, it had been several days since her fall. When the police talked with John, he did admit to throwing the Oreos at his wife, but he could not remember placing his hands on her neck. Okay, and it's not just the Oreos that make this case a little bit different. John has been charged with felony domestic battery on a person 65 years or older. All right, you guys, that's a specific felony in Florida because of the older population and so much elderly abuse in care facilities. So this felony actually has more weight than a typical domestic battery charge. Now, the couple has been married for over 40 years. I guess when they say it's the little things that break a relationship... Maybe it is when you get miffed about water in a coffee pot and you get arrested over hurling Oreos. And in all seriousness, if you are a victim of domestic abuse or you know someone who is, all of your resources are available at thehotline.org. Well, that's your Monday episode of Rise and Crime. I missed you guys last Thursday, but some of us from Ono Media enjoyed spending our holiday together. I hope yours was equally as wonderful. And just a reminder, Rise and Crime is available ad-free on Apple subscriptions and Patreon. And please make sure you hit the download or subscribe button. And while I was recording this episode, Peyton, my daughter, and the host of Binged and Murder with My Husband turned 27 years old. Happy birthday, Roan. Join me again on Thursday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules, and keep safe out there.